Chapter Twenty Eight of the Nest of the Sparrowhawk by Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Husband and Wife. Mistress Martha Lambert was a dignified old woman on whose wrinkled face stern virtues sedulously practised had left their lasting imprint among these virtues which she had thus somewhat ruthlessly exercised throughout her long life cleanliness and orderliness stood out pre-eminently they undoubtedly had brought some of the deepest furrows round her eyes and mouth as indeed they had done round those of adam lambert who having lived with her all his life had had to suffer from her passion of scrubbing and tidying more than any one else but her cottage was resplendent her chief virtues being apparent in every nook and corner of the orderly little rooms which formed her home and that of the two lads whom a dying friend had entrusted to her care the parlor below with its highly polished bits of furniture its spotless wooden floor and whitewashed walls was a miracle of cleanliness the table in the centre was laid with a snowy white cloth on it the pewter candlesticks shone like antique silver two straight-backed mahogany chairs were drawn cosily near to the hearth wherein burned a bright fire made up of ash logs there was a quaint circular mirror in a gilt frame over the hearth a relic of former somewhat more prosperous times in one of the chairs lolled the mysterious lodger whom a strange fate in a perverse mood seemed to have wafted to this isolated little cottage on the outskirts of the loneliest village in thanet prince amade de orleans was puffing on that strange weed which of late had taken such marked hold of most men tending to idleness in them for it caused them to sit staring at the smoke which they drew from pipes made of clay surely the lord had never intended such strange doings and mistress martha would willingly have protested against the unpleasant odour thus created by her lodger when he was puffing away only that she stood somewhat in awe of his ill-humour and of his violent language especially when adam himself was from home on these occasions such for instance as the present one she had perforce to be content with additional efforts at cleanliness and as she was convinced that so much smoke must be conducive to soot and dirt she plied her dusting cloth with redoubled vigour and energy whilst the prince lolled and pulled at his clay pipe she busied herself all round the tiny room polishing the backs of the old elm chairs and the brass handles of the chest of drawers how much longer are you going to fuss about my good woman quoth prince amade de orleans impatiently after a while this shuffling round me irritates my nerves mistress martha however suffered from deafness she could see from the quick 
angry turn of the head that her lodger was addressing her but did not catch his words she drew a little nearer bending her ear to him eh what she queried in that high-pitched voice peculiar to the deaf i am somewhat hard of hearing just now i did not hear thee but he pushed her roughly aside with a jerk of his elbow go away he said impatiently do not worry me ah the little pigs she rejoined blithely i thank thee they be doing nicely thank the lord six of them and eh what i'm a bit hard of hearing these times he had some difficulty in keeping up even a semblance of calm the placidity of the old quakeress irritated him beyond endurance he dreaded the return of adam lambert from his work and worse still he feared the arrival of richard fortunately he had gathered from martha that the young man had come home early in the day in a state of high nervous tension bordering on acute fever he had neither eaten nor drunk but after tidying his clothes and reassuring her as to his future movements he had sallied out into the woods and had not returned since then sir marmaduke had quickly arrived at the conclusion that richard lambert had seen and spoken to lady sue and had learned from her that she was now irrevocably married to him whom she always called her prince doubtless the young man was frenzied with grief and in his weak state of health after the terrible happenings of the past few weeks would mayhap either go raving mad or end his miserable existence over the cliffs either eventuality would suit sir marmaduke admirably and he sighed with satisfaction at the thought that the knot between the heiress and himself was indeed tied sufficiently firm now to ensure her obedience to his will there was to be one more scene in the brief and cruel drama which he had devised for the hoodwinking and final spoliation of a young and inexperienced girl she had earlier in the day been placed in possession of all the negotiable part of her fortune this though by no means representing the whole of her wealth which also lay in landed estates was nevertheless of such magnitude that the thought of its possession caused every fibre in sir marmaduke's body to thrill with the delight of expectancy one more brief scene in the drama the handing over of that vast fortune by the young girl-wife blindly and obediently to the man whom she believed to be her husband once that scene enacted the curtain would fall on the love episode twixt a romantic and ignorant maid and the most daring scoundrel that had ever committed crime to obtain a fortune in anticipation of that last and magnificent denouement sir marmaduke had once more donned the disguise of the exiled orleans prince the elaborate clothes the thick perroquet the black silk shade over the left eye which gave him such a sinister expression now he was literally devoured with the burning desire to see sue arriving 
with that wallet in her hand which contained securities and grants to the value of five hundred thousand pounds a brief interlude with her a few words of perfunctory affection a few assurances of good faith and he as her princely husband would vanish from her ken for ever he meant to go abroad immediately this very night if possible prudence and caution could easily be thrown to the winds once the negotiable securities were actually in his hands what he could convert into money he would do immediately going to amsterdam first to withdraw the sum standing at the bank there on deposit and for which anon he would possess the receipt after that the sale of the grant of monopolies should be easy of accomplishment sir marmaduke had boundless faith in his own ability to carry through his own business he might stand to lose some of the money perhaps prudence and caution might necessitate the relinquishing of certain advantages but even then he would be rich and passing rich and he knew that he ran but little risk of detection the girl was young inexperienced and singularly friendless sir marmaduke felt convinced that none of the foreign transactions could ever be directly traced to himself he would be prudent and europe was wide and he meant to leave english grants and securities severely alone he had mused and pondered on his plans all day the evening found him half exhausted with nerve strain febrile and almost sick with the agony of waiting he had calculated that sue would be free towards seven o'clock as he had given editha strict injunctions to keep discreetly out of the way whilst at a previous meeting in the park it had been arranged that the young girl should come to the cottage with the money on the evening of her twenty-first birthday and there hand her fortune over to her rightful lord now sir marmaduke cursed himself and his folly for having made this arrangement he had not known when he made it that richard would be back at a coal then adam the smith never came home before eight o'clock and the old quakeress herself would not have been much in the way even now she had shuffled back into her kitchen leaving her ill-humoured lodger to puff away at the malodorous weed as he chose but richard might return at any moment and then sir marmaduke had never thought of that possible contingency if richard lambert came face to face with him he would of a surety pierce the disguise of the prince and recognize the man who had so deeply wronged poor unsuspecting lady sue if only a kindly fate had kept the young man away another twenty-four hours or better still if it led the despairing lover's footsteps to the extremest edge of the cliffs sir marmaduke now paced the narrow room up and down in an agony of impatience nine o'clock had struck long ago but sue had not yet come the wildest imaginings run riot in the schemer's brain every hour nay every minute spent within was fraught with danger he sought his broad-brimmed hat 
determined now to meet sue in the park to sally forth at risk of missing her at risk of her arriving here at the cottage when he was absent and of her meeting richard lambert perhaps before the irrevocable deed of gift had been accomplished but the suspense was intolerable with a violent oath sir marmaduke pressed the hat over his head and strode to the door his hand was on the latch when he heard a faint sound from without a girl's footsteps timorous yet swift along the narrow flagged path which led down the tiny garden gate at next moment he had thrown open the door and sue stood before him any one but a bold and unscrupulous schemer would have been struck by the pathos of the solitary figure which now appeared in the tiny doorway the penetrating november drizzle had soaked through the dark cloak and hood which now hung heavy and dank round the young girl's shoulders framed by the hood her face appeared preternaturally pale her lips were quivering and her eyes large and dilated had almost a hunted look in them oh the pity and sadness of it all for in her small and trembling hands she was clutching with pathetic tenacity a small brown wallet which contained a fortune worthy of a princess she looked eagerly into her husband's face dreading the scowl the outburst of anger or jealousy mayhap which of late alas he had so oft greeted her arrival but as was his wont he stood with his back to the lighted room and she could not read the expression of that one cyclops-like eye which to-night appeared more sinister than ever beneath the thick paroquet and broad-brimmed hat i am sorry to be so late she said timidly the evening repast at the court was interminable and mistress de chavasse full of gossip yes yes i know he replied am i not used to seeing that your social duties oft make you forget your husband you are unjust amade she rejoined she entered the little parlour and stood beside the table making no movement to divest herself of her dripping cloak or to sit down nor indeed did her husband show the slightest inclination to ask her to do either he had closed the door behind her and followed her to the centre of the room was it by accident or design that as he reached the table he threw his broad-brimmed hat down with such an unnecessary flourish of the arm that he knocked over one of the heavy pewter candlesticks so that it rolled upon the floor causing the tallow candle to sputter and die out with a weird and hissing sound only one dim yellow light now illumined the room it shone full into the pallid face of the young wife standing some three paces from the table whilst prince amade de orleans face between her and the light was once more in deep shadow you are unjust she repeated firmly have i not run the gravest possible risks for your sake and those without murmur or complaint 
for the past six months did i not compromise my reputation for you by meeting you alone of nights i was labouring under the idea my wench that you were doing all that because you cared for me he retorted with almost brutal curtness and because you had the desire to become the princess de orleans that desire is now gratified and he had not really meant to be unkind there was of a truth no object to be gained by being brutal to her now but that wallet which she held so tightly clutched acted as an irritant to his nerves never a very equable temperament and holding all women in lofty scorn he chafed against all parlayings with his wife now that the goal of his ambition was so close at hand she winced at the insult and the tears which she fain would have hidden from him rose involuntarily to her eyes ah she sighed if you only knew how little i care for that title of princess did you perchance think that i cared nay how gladly would i give up all thought of ever bearing that proud appellation in exchange for a few more happy illusions such as i possessed three months ago illusions are all very well for a schoolgirl my dear suzanne he remarked with a cool shrug of his massive shoulders reality should be more attractive to you now he looked her up and down realizing perhaps for the first time that she was exquisitely beautiful beautiful always but more so now in the pathos of her helplessness somewhat perfunctorily because in his ignorance of women he thought that it would please her and also because vaguely something human and elemental had suddenly roused his pulses he relinquished his nonchalant attitude and came a step nearer to her you are very beautiful my suzanne he said half ironically and with marked emphasis on the possessive again he drew nearer not choosing to note the instinctive stiffening of her figure the shrinking look in her eyes he caught her arm and drew her to him laughing a low mocking laugh as he did so for she had turned her face away from him come he said lightly will you not kiss me my beautiful suzanne my wife my princess she was silent impassive indifferent so he thought although the arm which he held trembled within his grasp he stretched out his other hand and taking her chin between his fingers he forcibly turned her face towards him something in her face in her attitude now roused a certain rough passion in him mayhap the weary wailing during the day the agonizing impatience or the golden argosy so near to port had strung up his nerves to fever pitch irritation against her impassiveness in such glaring contrast to her glowing ardour of but a few weeks ago mingled with that essentially male desire to subdue and to conquer that which is inclined to resist sent the blood coursing wildly through his veins ah 
he said with a half sigh of desire half of satisfaction as he looked into her upturned face the chaste blush of the bride is vastly becoming to you my suzanne it acts as fuel to the flames of my love since i can well remember the passionate kisses you gave me so willingly a while ago the thought of that happy past gave her sudden strength catching him unawares she wrenched herself free from his hold this is a mockery prince she said with vehemence and meeting his half-mocking glance with one of scorn do you think that i have been blind these last few weeks your love for me hath changed if indeed it ever existed whilst i whilst you my beautiful suzanne he rejoined lightly are mine irrevocably irretrievably mine mine because i love you and because you are my wife and owe me that obedience which you vowed to heaven that you would give me that is so is it not there was a moment's silence in the tiny cottage parlour now whilst he gauging the full value of his words knowing by instinct that he had struck the right chord in that vibrating girlish heart watched the subtle change in her face from defiance and wrath to submission and appeal yes amade she murmured after a while i owe you obedience honour and love and you need not fear that i will fail in either but you she added with pathetic anxiety you do care for me still do you not of course i care for you he remarked i worship you there will that satisfy you and now he added peremptorily have you brought the money the short interlude of passion was over his eye had accidentally rested for one second on the leather wallet which she still held tightly clutched and all thoughts of her beauty of his power or his desires had flown out to the winds yes she replied meekly it is all here in the wallet she laid it down upon the table feeling neither anxiety nor remorse he was her husband and had a right to her fortune as he had to her person and to her thoughts and heart and he wished nor did she care about the money as to the value of which she was of course ignorant her wealth up to now had only a meaning for her as part of some noble scheme for the regeneration of mankind now she hoped vaguely as she put that wallet down on the table then pushed it towards her husband that she was purchasing her freedom with her wealth certainly she realized that his thoughts had very quickly been diverted from her beauty to the contents of the wallet the mocking laugh died down on his lips giving place to a sigh of deep satisfaction you were very prudent my dear suzanne to place this portion of your wealth in my charge he said as he slipped the bulky papers into the lining of his doublet of course it is all yours and i your husband am but the repository and guardian of your fortune and now methinks twere prudent for you to return to the court sir marmaduke de chavas will be missing you 
it did not seem to strike her as strange that he should dismiss her thus abruptly and make no attempt to explain what his future plans might be nor indeed what his intentions were with regard to herself the intensity of her disappointment the utter loneliness and helplessness of her position had caused a veritable numbing of her faculties and of her spirit and for the moment she was perhaps primarily conscious of a sense of relief at her dismissal like her wedding in the dismal little church this day of her birthday of her independence of her handing over her fortune to her husband for the glorious purposes of his selfless schemes had been so very very different to what she had pictured to herself in her girlish and romantic dreams the sordidness of it all had ruthlessly struck her for the first time in her intercourse with this man she doubted the genuineness of his motives with the passing of her fortune from her hands to his the last vestige of belief in him died down with appalling suddenness it could not have been because of the expression in his eyes as he fingered the wallet for this she could not see since his face was still in shadow it must have been just instinct that and the mockery of his attempt to make love to her had he ever loved her he could not have mocked not now that she was helpless and entirely at his mercy love once felt is sacred to him who feels mockery even of the ashes of love is an impossible desecration one beyond the power of any man then if he had never loved her why had he pretended why have deceived her with a semblance of passion and the icy whisper of reason blew into her mental ear the ugly word money he opened the door for her and without another word she passed out into the dark night only when she reached the tiny gate at the end of the flagged path did she realize that he was walking with her i can find my way alone through the woods she said coldly i came alone it was earlier then he rejoined blandly and i prefer to see you safely as far as the park and they walked on side by side in silence overhead the melancholy drip of moisture falling from leaf to leaf and from leaf to the ground was the only sound that accompanied their footsteps sue shivered beneath her damp cloak but she walked as far away from him as the width of the woodland path allowed he seemed absorbed in his own thoughts and not to notice how she shrank from the slightest contact with him at the park gate he paused having opened it for her to pass through i must bid you good-night here suzanne he said lightly there may be footpads about and i must place your securities away under lock and key i may be absent a few days for that purpose london you know he added vaguely then as she made no comment i will arrange for our next meeting he said anon there will be no necessity 
to keep our marriage a secret but until i give you permission to speak of it twere better that you remained silent on that score she contrived to murmur as you will and presently as he made no movement towards her she said good-night this time he had not even desired to kiss her the next moment she had disappeared in the gloom she fled as fast as she dared in the inky blackness of this november night she could have run for miles or for hours away away from all this sordidness this avarice this deceit and cruelty away away from him how glad she was that darkness enveloped her for now she felt horribly ashamed instinct too is cruel at times instinct had been silent so long during the most critical juncture of her own folly now it spoke loudly warningly now that it was too late ashamed of her own stupidity and blindness her vanity mayhap had alone led her to believe the passionate protestations of a liar a liar a mean cowardly schemer but her husband for all that she owed him love honour and obedience if he commanded she must obey if he called she must fain go to him oh please god that she had succeeded in purchasing her freedom from him by placing five hundred thousand pounds in his hands shame shame that this should be that she should have mistaken vile schemes for love that a liar's kisses should have polluted her soul that she should be the wife the bondswoman of a cheat End of chapter twenty eight